verse number 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning. And Lord, we are so thankful and grateful today. Lord, the miracle of Christmas. What a joy. Lord, there was no hope before it. And I pray that you would help us today as we look at this passage to recognize it for what it is. Lord, I know we preach on the real meaning of Christmas every year, it seems like. And every year, people talk about the real meaning of Christmas. And yet, Lord, it seems not to grip us as it ought. For we go through the rest of the year as if Christmas never happened. And I pray that you would help us to learn this year some things that will help to remind us throughout the months to come of the wonderful news of the glorious birth of our Savior. Bless the message this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct. Lord, use it as you would see fit in the hearts of our folks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've read here a portion of the what we call the Christmas story. And uh, there's an awful lot there. And Lord willing, here in either next Sunday, if I'm here, I may be gone next Sunday. My daughter's graduating college. There's a possibility I may be gone next Sunday. Uh, but if I'm not here next Sunday, it'll be the Sunday following. Lord willing, we'll spend some time dealing with the uh, setting behind uh, the birth of Christ and the scriptural uh, uh, dealings with the Tower of the Flock and all the significance that that brings. It's an amazing story from Scripture. And uh, we'll take a look at that, Lord willing, here in just a few weeks. But as part of that story, we've read here about the encounter of the angels with the shepherds. And uh, this is one of the areas of the Christmas story that I love so dearly because uh, I, I think that I can relate to some degree what the shepherds must have been feeling that night. If you will, look with me in verse number 8 as we begin looking at this passage. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now these were uh, shepherds that, uh, from all things we understand from Scripture, were uh, the priesthood shepherds, the shepherds that watched over the sacrificial lambs. And uh, they were, the Bible says, abiding in the field, so they were not... Uh, and a place of shelter, but they were out there in the field with the uh, sheep. And uh, all of a sudden, in verse number 9, the Bible says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. A few weeks ago in Sunday school, we were dealing with uh, the study of angels as we dealt with the topic in the book of Proverbs and how that there are some angels that are considered to be archangels. Uh, There are three of them that we know of in Scripture. Uh, and that was Michael and Gabriel, and then Lucifer was an archangel prior to his fall. 
And um, so we know of those archangels. And we know that there are other angels that do not have the same authority or power given to them as the archangels. We find that referenced in the book of Daniel. And then we know that there are other beings in Scripture that are referred to as cherubims and seraphims. We don't understand and know all there is to know about that, but the, uh, the uh, uh, seraphims had six wings, according to the book of Isaiah in chapter number 6. And uh, I don't know what particular being came here as far as uh, their appearance, uh, the way they looked. But the suffice to say that Luke's account of this story was that the angel that appeared to these shepherds was known as the angel of the Lord. This could just simply mean a messenger that God had sent, or it could have been one of the archangels perhaps. But I want you to notice the response of the shepherds. Because I, I, I would want us this morning, if we could, to put ourselves in their place. How many of you here this morning have ever seen a real live angel? Not, not a fake one, not one that's in a play. You ever seen a real live angel? I asked that at one time in a service, and uh, some folks raised their hands like, oh, wow, really? Okay. Uh, but, you know, you hear on television a lot of these folks that come out and say, uh, I, I had a vision of God, or I had a vision of an angel. And, of course, uh, the, to hear their response to that, you uh, know that it cannot be true because of the response that we find in Scripture every time something from heaven comes and appears to man. And this is no different. We find here as we get to verse number 9, the Bible says, And all the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And I want you to notice this phrase. And they were sore afraid. We're not talking about just some general fear or nervousness, but we're talking about the, 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 the severity of fear. The fact that these shepherds were, were certainly uh, fearful, perhaps even for their own lives, because they're seeing an angelic being. And I don't know if, if that astounds you as much as it astounds me, but I, I remember reading uh, uh, the first time I read of the story of uh, David who numbered Israel, and uh, he was not supposed to do that. God had told him that uh, they were not to number Israel and know how many uh, men there were to fight the battles. Uh, they were just supposed to trust God for the battles. Amen? And God told him not to do that, and David did it. And so God brings judgment on David. And he allows David to choose whether three years of pestilence in the land or uh, three months of being uh, overthrown by their enemies or three days of the hand of the Lord being upon them. And uh, he chose the three days of the hand of the Lord because he felt that the Lord's uh, hand was merciful. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord, the same phrase, went throughout all of Israel and smote 70,000 men, killed them. And he comes to the city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that David was on Mount Moriah, and he saw the angel of the Lord with his sword stretched out between heaven and earth over the city of Jerusalem, and God said, stop, it is enough. Aren't you glad for merciful God? He said, merciful, Brother Greg, that's 70,000 men that were gone. I wonder how many he was going to kill. His hand of mercy, as he said, stop. It is enough. And I've read that story and I've wondered, could you imagine what it must have been like to be standing on the side of Mount Moriah by Ornan's threshing floor and looking out over the city of Jerusalem and seeing there between heaven and earth the angel of the Lord. 
Can you imagine that? All the trembling and the fear that there must have been. I'm reminded of Saul and his trip to uh, Damascus. and How that he was struck to the ground with a bright light, the Bible says, and he was, those around him were trembling. They couldn't see what was going on, but they were trembling at it. And the fear that Saul had in the presence of God. I don't know how these uh, shepherds felt completely, but I can imagine I would have felt very similar to what they did. I think we all would if we were to be in their place at this point in time to see an angelic being come. I want you to notice a few things about this angelic being. As it said in verse number 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Can I tell you this? The angelic being who was sent from God brought the glory of the Lord upon that place. I I, I don't know. I, I long to see the glory of the Lord. We've not seen it with our human eyes in the day and age that we live. But there were some folks in Old Testament times who did, didn't they? The nation of Israel certainly did. Moses certainly did. We find here that the shepherds saw the glory of the Lord. The disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration saw the glory of the Lord. Can you imagine seeing the glory of God shining around and to know what it is. And this angel comes and the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shines all around these shepherds. And because of all that they're seeing and experiencing, the Bible says they were sore afraid. I want to stop for a moment in the uh, preaching of this passage and I want to just draw a parallel to today. Can I do that? We live in a world that, to be very honest with you, if we were to look at the condition that it's in, could cause even some of the bravest and stoutest hearts to be fearful. To see the, the condition that this world is in and the direction that it's heading, to realize that in a very short period of time, being a Christian and naming the name of Christ could be very detrimental. could be something that we could be persecuted for. And as we look at the society that we live in today, I'll be honest with you as a parent, I'm fearful for the kind of world that my children are going to have to be adults in. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, a lot of being scared of what's going on. And I know that we read Scripture, and I'm thankful for promises of Scripture, such as greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm thankful for those. I want you to notice that when the glory of the Lord shone around about these shepherds and the angel appeared to them, they were sore afraid. And can you imagine the trembling and the fear that must have come upon them? The Bible says in verse number 10, and this is always the way God is, isn't it? And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Fear not. I just want to stop there for a moment. These shepherds had no idea why this angel was appearing to them. They're, they're, they're Levitical shepherds, from all we understand of Scripture, we believe them to be. They, they certainly are aware and know of the history of, of Israel and how often angelic beings came to visit Israel many times for the purpose of chastening and judgment. I don't know what's going through the heart of these shepherds at this time, but I can only imagine if I were in their place, I would be petrified. 
Is this angel coming for judgment? What have we done wrong? What is this angel getting ready to do? It's the angel of the Lord. And the angel says those two wonderful, wonderful words. Fear not. Can I tell you today that the angel could say fear not because of the message he's getting ready to bring to the shepherds. And the angel can tell you and I today, fear not because of the message that he brought 2,000 years ago. He can tell you and I in the world that we live in today, fear not because it's all going to be okay. Look what he says here in verse number 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. Good tidings of great joy. Can I tell you this? The gospel message is a message of great joy. It's a good message. It's a message for the nations. It's a message for the world. It's a message for men. It's a message for women. It's a message for children. It's a message that ought bring joy to the hearts of men. You say, Brother Greg, why is it a message that will bring joy to the hearts of men? Because once I was blind, <laughs> but now I can see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was destined for hell, but now I'm destined for heaven. And Jesus didn't come to destroy the world or condemn the world. He didn't come to bring bad news to the world. He didn't come at Christmas time to show the world and say, Oh, y'all are sinners, you're going to go to hell. They were already heading that way. Christ came to bring them good news. That's what the gospel means. It's a story that when it's told, it is so much full of joy. Brother Keith chose a great song this morning. The third one that we sang, Throw Out the Lifeline. And I was thinking of that this morning, actually, as I was preparing for the message. And I got to this point of glad tidings of great joy. In my town where I grew up, there's a rocky outcrop uh, down about 30 minutes from us off the ocean. And there's an life, old life-saving station there called the House of Refuge. And the life-saving station was built a little over 100 years ago and was built because there were some ships that were traveling through those waters that would not know the shallowness and the rockiness underneath. And they would drive their boats on it many yards off from the shore, and especially during storms. A lot of sailors would lose their lives out there. There's a tower that was built there at the House of Refuge, not a very tall tower, but tall enough that they could look out over the water and they could see when a ship was in distress. They had men that manned the station, the life-saving station. And they were well-trained in the techniques of saving these sailors. They would drill and they would practice. They were well-taught and they were well-trained and when the night would come, when it was stormy and dark and the ship was in peril, the men would launch their boats out into the waves. Knowing the territory where the rocks were, they were able to navigate with great skill. They would get out there to where those sailors were bobbing in the water many times. And they would throw out a lifeline. They would toss the life-saving ring to them. I don't know what kind of thought goes through the mind of a sailor at that point, but could you imagine sinking in distress in the darkness of that night, thinking this is it. 
My time is up. And the waves lift you and the waves drop you and the waves lift you and the waves drop you. And then all of a sudden the next wave comes and there's a boat. And in that boat are some men who are looking in the darkness trying to find us. And seeing us, they take a line and they throw it out there. Could you imagine the joy in that sailor's heart? For that's what somebody did for me one day. And that's what somebody did for you one day. And how in the world would that ever be a time of sorrow or sadness? How would that ever be a time that we would be embarrassed of sharing the blessed story? That there is a Savior, there is one that has come because He loved us enough to die in our place. There is one that's come to take us from this place of sin and set our feet upon a solid rock. And the angel comes to the, to the shepherds and, and they don't even understand all of what is happening here. But the angel prefaces what he's getting ready to show the shepherds. And he says, listen, fellas, don't be afraid. I don't want you to fear. I'm getting ready to tell you some good news. <laughs> and when you hear it, it's going to bring some great, great joy to your hearts. I wonder, does the gospel message still stir our heart? Does the gospel message still bring great joy to our hearts? Are there times that we just reflect on what God has done for us and we think, oh, the joy that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And the joy that wells up in our hearts as we think of our wonderful Savior. The angel says, I'm getting ready to tell you all some news. That's southern, by the way. They were in south Israel. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The amazing thing is, he says, which shall be to all people. He said, Brother Greg, why is that so important? Because I wasn't an Israelite. I wasn't a Jew what if Christ had only come for the Jews? You and I would be so miserable, wouldn't we? Thinking of this fact that we're lost with no hope. Aren't you glad He came for everybody? I'm glad He came for me. That's good news. It's good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, one of the greatest titles I think our Lord has. A Savior. He's a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. He goes on to tell him how they can find Him. He says, This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's significant. And when we deal with the... Time around his death, we'll talk a little bit more about those swaddling clothes. They said you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The Bible says this, and suddenly, you see that? Verse number 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. I, I, I want to just say this about this. I don't know if this was planned or not. The Bible doesn't tell this. I mean, obviously... Nothing happens that God does, is not aware of and God doesn't orchestrate. And I understand that. 
But I wonder often if the angels of heaven were sitting up there one day and the angel of the Lord got the great task of going to these shepherds and sharing this great tiding, good tiding of great joy. And they heard him proclaim it and they couldn't help themselves. I wonder that. We get to heaven, we're going to know. But I wonder. I wonder because they weren't there when the angel of the Lord was speaking. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And look what they're doing. They're praising God. Why are they praising God? Because the Messiah had come. The Savior of man had come. Well, angels, this isn't going to affect you. Why are you excited? Because it's the fulfillment of God's great plan. The fulfillment of God's great plan. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And they were praising God. Let me ask you this question. If angels who do not benefit from Christ coming to this earth can praise God for it. Don't you think you and I who benefit everything from Him coming to earth ought to praise Him for it? Oh, it ought to be on our lips everywhere we go. How could we not finish? How could we ever finish talking about it? How could we not go around all the time, everywhere we go, thanking God for what He's done? I'm thankful that we have a Christmas season. I'm thankful that this time of year we can put our hearts and our minds and we can say, I want you to remember the real meaning of Christmas, but I wonder in January, in February, in March, do we remember the real meaning of Christmas? If the angels could rejoice and praise God for this and they don't even benefit from it, shouldn't you and I glorify God and thank Him for it? Tell everyone we see, oh, I want to tell you about this Savior that I have. Oh, He brought good news one day of great joy to my heart. I wonder if in March and April and May we remember the real meaning of Christmas. In June and July and August. Does it bring good tidings and great joy to our hearts when we think about it? This multitude of the heavenly host who do not benefit from Christ coming to earth are rejoicing and praising God. Saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Because of Christ, God and man are finally able to be reconciled. Oh, what news. Oh, what joy. And we ought to be praising God for it. I want you to look with me now, if you will, in verse number 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven... The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that they heard, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The message is this. I want you to notice this morning. The response of the shepherds. We spent a great deal of time this morning talking about how the angels reacted to this good news. The great joy. The glorifying of God. But I want you to see what was the response of the shepherds. 
Verse number 17. And when they had seen it, they did what? They made known, what's the next word? Abroad. Everywhere they went. Put yourself in the shepherd's shoes this morning. Could you do that for a moment? Picture being there at the stable, being able to see the Christ child in the manger, in the swaddling clothes, being able to see the king of the universe in human form, being able to see the savior of the world. And then walking out of that place, the Bible says that they could not help but go around everywhere they found, making known abroad all the things that they had seen and heard. You couldn't shut them up about it. You ever bump into somebody that has a, a, something they really love in this life? And every time you run into them, it seems like the subject always turns to that, doesn't it? I like flying airplanes. You don't have to be around me long. If you mention an airplane, if we're standing outside and an airplane flies overhead, that conversation is going to turn to an airplane. Because I love it. There are things that each of us have, do we not? We just love it. And it piques our interest and it's something that we have a passion for. And if somebody gets us started on it, they can't get us to stop talking about it. You ever been there? Maybe you've been on the receiving side of that. Maybe you've gotten somebody talking and you can't get them to quit talking about it. Can I tell you, that's the way these shepherds were. They made known abroad all the things that they had seen and heard. How could they do otherwise? I mean, they had news that was for the benefit of mankind. They had news that was good tidings of great joy. How could they not go abroad and tell it everywhere they went? How could they not share it every, to every person they bumped into that would stop and listen to them? And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The point of the message is this this morning. You and I have great good tidings of great joy. We have the gospel message. The Bible's made it very clear that God has entrusted the spreading of the gospel to His children. He's commissioned us. He's given us the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. Having this good tiding of great joy, what is our response to it? Do we keep it to ourselves or do we go all abroad sharing it everywhere we go? These shepherds couldn't help it. They couldn't contain it. They were excited about it. I imagine there were some people they were talking to about it that were probably thinking, man, when is this guy going to shut up so I can go about my business? There were probably people that they talked to about it. They said, boy, this is the hundredth time they've told me this story. Because they just couldn't quit talking about it. I wonder this morning, what is our response to the good tidings of great joy? What is our response? What are you and I doing with it? I know what we ought to be doing with it. But so sadly, we do not. 
I wonder this morning at this time of year as we reflect on it. Would it be possible that we could ask God to help us to recommit here at the end of 2018 as we lead into 2019? Could we recommit ourselves to sharing everywhere we go? To making known abroad this good tiding of great joy. Could we recommit to that this morning? Could we, could we say, Lord, I want, you to, I want you to have your story told. This, this great, great joy that I have. This good news of great joy that I have. And I want to commit myself to make known abroad all the things that I have seen and heard. Could we do that this morning? Could we ask God to let us do that? Would we be willing to do that? Or do we have too much going on in our life? I wonder if God would allow us in 2019 to do far more sharing this good tiding of great joy with people than we did in 2018. I'm sure it's His desire, isn't it? And I'm sure if we asked Him to, He'd let us do it. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, over the next few weeks, as we think of the miracle of Christmas, last week dealing with the miracle of having our sins forgiven, this week the miracle of you allowing us to be the ones responsible for taking this wonderful, joyous message to a world that needs to hear it, to make known abroad, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recommit this year. That we would lay our hearts on the altar of your word and say, Lord, I want to give you my heart again in this area of sharing the gospel with those that need to hear. I'm not embarrassed of it. It's something that is a wonderful, wonderful truth that men need to hear. And I love it so much. Lord, I wonder if it would be something we just couldn't help ourselves, we just couldn't quit talking about. I wonder if it would be something we could spread everywhere we go. Lord, help us as we finish this year and move into the new year to make known abroad all the things that we have seen and heard. Lord, bless the invitation time and use it as you would see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.